0: Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes for the week ending October 30th, 2020. This is our 54th video cast, our 44th podcast. And as we always do, we're going to kick it off with the media spots and the messages from this week. First, I'd like to thank Ellie Terrett and Liz Klayman for having me on this afternoon on Friday to discuss the volatility in the market. And the one question that Liz asked that uh, was there was a company named Mohawk Industries, they do flooring, they do housing, building product supplies, etc. and whether this was going to be a rotation into housing, is that the safe haven because as we know tech was selling off and we're going to spend a lot of time on that today And I said that this was not a liquidation. This was a rotation. And the reason being, if you looked at the 10-year yield today, uh, spreads were actually going out. The yield curve was steepening. And of all things, where you saw green while tech was getting crushed was banks, regional banks, and even the money center banks were all green uh, the only tech stock that was up was in the in the big group was Google, which we'll talk a little bit about that. That's nuanced, but it was nice to see that steepening in a quote unquote risk-off day. If it was truly a risk-off day, there would have been a flight to safety into bonds. It wasn't. It was a rotation day. And uh, the idea was we were moving from high valuation stocks to low valuation stocks. As we start the new cycle, there are more places where you can find growth. And a great example was the stock that Liz brought up called Mohawk Industries. They beat on the top and bottom line. Uh, Earnings were up 18.5%. Sales were up uh, 2.9%. And earnings estimates were are thirty seven percent for twenty twenty one what 's interesting is with the thirty seven percent Expected growth rate, the forward multiple is only 11.9 times forward earnings. That how's that compare to a Facebook that's going to grow 27%, not 37%, and is trading at a 27 times forward multiple, or an Amazon that's going to trade at 39% uh, earnings growth rate relative to 37 for Mohawk, but it's trading at a 71 times multiple instead of an 11.9 times multiple. So managers are getting ahead of the curve. Curve here we know historically that cyclicals outperform cu- following elections historically for the first 6 months they also outperform in a new cycle so what we saw today was the yield curve steepening we saw money moving into regional banks and energy the last shall be first the most hated sectors were actually getting a bid while uh, fang was selling off and um, and that was interesting and as far as mohawk goes we've covered many times 85 million millennials housing formation that trend is going to continue for a while. Um, the other thing that we uh, talked about, which we'll go into a little more on the cheddar, was that you, you basically, if you took the average of the four fang stocks that reported uh, in the last 24 hours—Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and Google—they uh, trade at uh, an average of 39 times uh, 2021 EPS with 31% earnings growth uh, expectations versus the S&P, which is trading at 20 times forward with 24% earnings growth expectation. So basically, if you're buying Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google in a basket, you're paying a 95% higher multiple for only 26% increase in earnings growth rate. So uh, that was that. And then she came back to me at the end of the clip, uh, and we talked about high quality bellwethers like rate Raytheon, which I had talked about earlier in the week when I was on with her, and on the weakness, Greg Hayes, the CEO, bought over $3 million of stock this week. Uh, hit some of his directors also wrote seven 7 figure checks to buy the stock, and there is just tremendous amount of opportunity out there. Uh, so definitely want to thank Ellie Terrett and Liz Klayman for having me on this afternoon. Now, uh, earlier this morning, I was on Cheddar and um, with Kristen Scholler. I want to thank Kristen and uh, Francesca Conti for inviting me on, as well as Taylor Craig and Cara Fellows uh, for helping me out with the segment to to get everything organized. And uh, this segment was uh, quite a long segment. Now, if you go to hedgefundtips.com and just click on Featured On, every single one of these spots will be there. And what's, what's valuable about doing it, it's a huge time saver because when you listen to Um, the clip on Fox Business with Liz or uh, with Kristen Scholler here on Cheddar, you get a tremendous amount of uh, research synthesized into a matter of minutes. It's it's just a huge time saver. And the goal of the Cheddar interview was to break down the earnings that happened overnight with Apple, Amazon, Google, and Facebook and i made a, wanted to make a couple of points um number one they're due for a breather uh as as we know cyclicals outperform in a new cycle and after an election right now they're 5.3 trillion dollars combined market cap for these four stocks if you think just in terms of you know our gdp is just over 20 trillion so they're like a quarter of our, of our country's GDP, which, which is just been, you know, huge, uh, which is why the government is gunning for all of them now to break them up and, and, uh, you know, bring them down to earth. Um, the other thing, these four stocks, uh, Apple, Amazon, Google, and Facebook, uh, Alphabet and Facebook are 20% of the S and P weight. You add the other FANG stocks, uh, FANG them, you get to over 25%. Uh, Infotech as a sector is now 40% of the S&P versus 37%. Its highest weight in 1999. We know what happened next. That doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to happen now. Uh, you know, th- there are, there are some secular changes happening, but I do think we're 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 in a position now where we're we're going to have some relative outperformance from the left behind laggard groups. Um, And um, I made a similar point with Kristen that we're moving into... Uh, sectors that are going to have greater earnings growth in 2021. So, if you look at the S&P, it's going to grow 24.6 times, uh, 24.6% earnings growth in 2021. Industrials, materials, and financials will all grow in line, if or greater than the growth of the S&P 500. Whereas, infotech. Uh, while it's 40% of the S&P weighting is only going to grow at half the pace of the S&P 500, so so that's going to change. Uh, I think the um, left behind industrials, materials, defense stocks, uh, financials are um, and and even energy. By the way, today energy was up. Um, number of energy stocks were green, while and banks while um, Fang was getting bludgeoned. So. Um, so that so that's that's basically it You know, you've got some major regu- regulatory hit headwinds With Google, Facebook, um, and some of the others The FTC is going to make a decision at some point imminently Whether they're going to pursue antitrust against Facebook They all have a target on their back Which is going to mean, as I've said in past videocast podcasts No one's ever gone before Congress to talk about antitrust And life got better for them uh, just ask Microsoft, they, you know, you move from offense to defense. Your focus goes from preservation to inno- uh, from innovation to preservation, and it impacts your margins because of all the costs and effort that go into defending yourself with uh, the reg- regulatory bodies and. Um, uh, and paying the lawyers, so uh, so this is a big factor. Section 230. If that liability shield is removed, number one, it's going to help them become bigger monopolies because uh, no one in a dorm will ever be able to start another one up because they will not have the infrastructure to uh, censor all of the tweets and or Facebook posts to make sure that um, you know they meet the the new criteria set forth by the regulators. Uh, but they'll they 'll wind up breaking them up, but the the sum of the parts of the new companies will be greater than the whole. It just won't look so big, just like happened with standard oil uh but in the meantime. Uh, as that becomes more and more real, multiples will go down for the stock, uh, margins will start to compress. And, um, and and I think, um, you know, uh, managers are starting to sniff that out. Obviously, there's also the potential uh, issue of the corporate tax rate increasing next week, if there was a sweep, which the market is setting up otherwise, and we're going to cover in this podcast video cast. But, um, As far as the earnings results, listen to the interview with Kristen if you want explicit detail. The bad news on on Apple was uh, iPhone sales were down 20% year-on-year. Most of it from China was down 29%, but that was simply because their iPhone 12 was delayed into this quarter, ordinarily it's in the third quarter. Um, So all of the non-iPhone products actually grew in China, so it's not an anti-Apple thing. Uh, it was really just a the delayed release. The market didn't like that there was no, no forward guidance. And the other thing to think about is that all of the record Mac and iPad sales were all pulled forward because of COVID for people that have to work from home and study from home. On the good news, uh, Tim Cook said the first five days of shipments for iPhone were strong and he was optimistic. Service revenues were up 16.3%. They've got 585 million paying subs around the world. Uh, and that's up 35 million quarter on quarter. And aggressive carrier subsidies should help with the iPhone 12 sales, but they have less weeks this year in the final quarter, so uh, so they really have to push that hard. And uh, all the other categories beat the estimates, so top and bottom line beat. Amazon, the bad news was uh, two things, that the uh, uh, $4 billion of estimated COVID cost in Q in the next quarter uh, for you know cleaning, paying employees more, et cetera. Their shipping costs were up 57% year-on-year, year, so their margins are getting hit a bit. Uh, And the most important thing in my view is the Amazon Web Services met expectations. It did not exceed expectations, unlike uh, Google, which we'll talk about, and Azure. Uh, So it seems like those guys are starting to cut into the pie although the pie is getting bigger Uh, on the good good news on Amazon their sales are expected to be up 24 uh, 28 to 38 percent next quarter prime subscriptions were up 33 percent and revenues were up 37 percent and of course they beat on the top and bottom line Google uh, also beat on the top and bottom line the real good news really good news for Google was The Google Cloud, they're going to break that out in Q4, that data which they never have, which tells us that that's growing and they want to show the world how great their cloud business is is cutting into AWS and Azure, which is uh, a positive thing for the company. Their search engine fears did not come to bear. People were worried that search advertising and YouTube advertising was going to be down. It wasn't. It was up 6% year on year. Revenues were up 14%. EPS was up 22%. The bad news, obviously, is that the DOJ sued them on an antitrust basis. So they're going to have to prove themselves, which it's going to be very hard to prove that you don't have a monopoly in search uh, when you're 90% of uh, of, of search. So uh, that, that could be a situation like Microsoft Microsoft Microsoft, when you get your eye off the ball, Microsoft missed all of mobile while they were defending the antitrust. They've come back after. Google will come back after. But in the interim, their multiples contracted, their growth slowed. And we may very well see the same thing for for Google moving forward. Uh, But it's too early to tell. Facebook beat on top and bottom lines. The real bad news is that the Apple... Uh, is now going to have iOS 14, a new operating uh, system coming out, which is, is going to protect the uh, user's privacy and uh, ruin the ability of Facebook to target aggressively, meaning if you're an advertiser, Uh, You're not going to be able to get targeted results as much as you were before because of Apple putting this new thing in place for iOS 14, in which case you're not going to be willing to pay Facebook as much because your conversions are going to drop. So uh, that's a big headwind for uh, Facebook. There also they lost two million daily active users in the U.S. and Canada. It went from 198 million to 196 million. Uh, that said, you know, world's smallest violin. They still have 2.74 billion monthly active users globally, which was up. Um, and um, you know, they have the FTC antitrust risk and an imminent decision on that front. Sales were up 22%, accelerating political ad spend, and net income was up 29%. And finally, we have covered all of the tech stocks. So for more detail, click on featured on, go ahead and watch that with Kristen Scholler on Cheddar. That was a nice long segment, about 12 minutes. Uh, and then finally on Monday, I was on Fox Business with Liz I Want to thank Ellie Terrett again and Liz for having me on. This was a two-segment show. The market was vacillating between uh, down 600 and down 900. Uh, the worries, the key worries were the EU spike ups, the the shutdowns in uh, France and potentially Italy and Germany. Um, the market was obviously worried about the potentiality of the corporate tax rate going up from 21 to 28%. Uh, at that point, SAP had given weak revenue guidance. So people were worried that would spill over into other tech and a uh, lot, lot of, uh, worry about, uh, tech, uh, at, at, and that came to bear towards the end of the week and, um, you know, the the key message there and the takeaway was uh to buy high quality bellwethers in the left behind sectors. And um, you know, we talked about uh, financials and we talked about industrials and uh moving forward on those fronts. So um that was the key there. Uh as far as the multiples, which I went into pretty extensive detail with Kristen Scholler. Um, you know, if you just look here on this chart that I pulled together in preparation for that interview, um, you know, you look at the average P.E. of Apple, Amazon, Google and Facebook over the last decade. In the case of Google and Facebook, they IPO would later. So from inception, if you average that out, it's a 28 times 28.25 times current year earnings over the last decade that's their average rounded multiple going into earnings these four stocks were trading at about double that uh, a little less than double at 51 times current year earnings and 40 times forward estimates so um you know v- ranging anywhere from 29 times to 70 uh, i'm sorry 27 times to, to 71 times in the case of amazon and the growth rates um Again, you know, you're paying uh, you're paying almost 50 percent more for a growth rate that's less than the S&P 500 uh, on balance. In the case of Apple, in the case of uh, Amazon, you're paying 71 times, etc. So uh, so so the market is really just starting to navigate this. These are amazing franchises. But a lot of their price appreciation has been a function of multiple expansion and pulled forward earnings growth in 2020. And I think that they just take a short-term breather relative to the laggard sectors, uh, and they'll be back. These are you know effectively monopolies, and so long as they stay monopolies and aren't broken up, uh, they'll continue to have that monopoly pricing power and advantage in the market. So uh, thanks again to Liz Klayman and Ellie Terrett. I finally, want to thank Meta Singh and Shivani, Kumara-san for um, uh, asking me to be in their article in Reuters a few days ago. And my quote was, stimulus is now pushed back to after the election and the market's digesting that today. So that was probably a down day. And they were asking me, why is the market down? And now on to our article of the week, the back to the future stock market and sentiment results. This is a really interesting article. Um, I've noticed that the setup in the market going into this election is pretty similar to the setup going into the 2016 election. And I remember in 2016, it was such an amazing opportunity. It was down seven consecutive days in the ro- in a row. People really felt like it was going through the floor. Uh, and I remember particularly the, the um, small caps because we just did unbelievably well and just every day they kept going down every day we kept adding and as soon as the um you know two days before the election everything just turned on the dime what would be the equivalent of monday we'll see if that happens or not if it rhymes or if it matches but um Uh, They just ripped and I think we made it was some ridiculous multiple uh, because we were doing some options on that as well into into the print and it just took off and I'm going to show you some charts and uh, show you how these things are setting up similarly and you know in effect I I don't know if it's setting up for just resolution or if it's setting up for upset. But uh, either way, it's it's something to take good note of. And there were tremendous opportunities this week I hope you took advantage of. And maybe you'll get another bite at the apple on Monday um, before the result. Well, the results, the hopeful results on Tuesday. So, um, okay. So we went through and, and the, the concept of Back to the Future was from my Monday spot with Liz. Where I told Liz, this is back to the future. The market was just setting up like like 2016, down seven days in a row. And it really was one of the greatest opportunities to make a large amount of money in a short period of time. And I think we may be very well setting up for the exact same opportunity here. Certainly we're positioning for that and uh, and we'll take it as it comes. So um, what's interesting is that in 2016, they all bottomed the Friday before the election, November 4th. <clears throat> Their election was on the 8th. Uh, ours, well, as you know, will be on the 3rd. So it'll it'll be very interesting to see if this was was a um, you know final bottom here. And based on how the 10-year Treasury was acting, you had the same type of situation in 2016. So let's just take a look at at the comparisons here. Unfortunately, this is Wednesday. This would look a lot closer today. This is the S&P 500. If you look, it just sold down uh, into that uncertainty. I'm not sure. Sh- well, actually, uh, maybe I can pull up. Well, anyway, we're probably down closer to here as of the end of the day. I was uh, busy this afternoon getting getting ready for, for Fox. But uh, it's looking very much like that Friday, and this this bottom line this blue line i thought that was you know in my recollection i thought that was election day it wasn't it was it was the friday before two days before so uh we're probably down here we have this similar type of you know bounce bounce weakness bounce bounce weakness here we'll we'll see getting close to that 200 day moving average i don't think we got near there but we're we're knocking on the door and then it just completely ripped once you had resolution and just didn't stop for the next four or five months straight up. As a matter of fact, that was a looks like about a 20 percent move in the S&P 500 in one, two, three, four months. So that's phenomenal. Not to say that's necessarily going to happen now. But, um, you know, J.P. Morgan was out with a note that said if Trump happened to upset uh, and they were very um you know, cautious about taking that risk, but if if he did, the S and P would go up fourteen percent to thirty nine hundred. I think from where they set it, it's lower now, so it's probably more like eighteen percent now to to thirty nine hundred. So, um, but what's more important about this analogy or comparison rather is that then the weakness of the indices is the specific sectors and stocks that were the strongest coming out. So again, financials, this is in 2016, you can see it into the Friday before, they were trading down weak, and then they just exploded up, okay? So you're looking here at uh, about a 30% move in three months for the total sector. Uh, Here, same thing, this type of sideways weakness into the Friday, and then boom, although we were up a little bit today on financials, but uh, this is the g- same general pattern, this sideways, and then they just took off. The, the, what's really uncanny is the yield curve, okay? This is crazy how how, how closely it's tracking this weakness, you know, going into the election, getting a little bit of speed, and then it just catapults. In the case of 2016, from about 180 bips to 260 bips, we're at about, you know, I think, I don't know, 85 bips or something. So imagine going to 125. And over the summer, if you remember, I think the 10 year was at 52 bips. I said, I would bet more money, you know, people were saying it was gonna go to 25 bips. I said, I bet more money that it's gonna be at 125 by the end of the year than I would that it's gonna be at 25. And we're moving in that direction. Let's see if we get this type of catapult once we get resolution on the election. But that would obviously be consistent with this huge monster pop in banks and financials that uh, maybe we started to see the hints of today. And what was the biggest pop of all the financials in 2016 is our favorite uh, uh, albatross, Wells Fargo, the most hated stock in the S&P 500 that we can't get enough of. And uh, it's it's just been, uh, you know, I, I had to pull up this quote today. Um, boy, even I get pop-ups on my own website. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the stock market is a device for transferring money from the impatient to the patient. And boy, have we had to be patient as hell with this. But it's interesting because look at this setup in 2016. You know, we've been waiting here uh, from, you know, March to October. So one, two four, five, six, six and a half months, seven months, something like that. Well, look at what was going on in 2016. They had the crash and then they waited from February all the way until now. We've only had to wait from March. So uh, they're kind of like depressing, downtrend, sideways, do nothing movement was even a month longer than ours. And then sure enough, you, they got to election resolution, the uh, yield curve steepened, and it just completely catapulted here from a low of 37 to 51 in a matter of two or three months. So, uh, so we'll see what happens, you know, history rhymes. It doesn't have to repeat, but all the conditions are really set up for there to be some catalyst to just, you know, steepen the curve, have financials take off laggards take control of league leaders the last shall be first uh and see what happens and funny, funny enough uh today also we saw energy getting a bid while fang was getting taken out to the woodshed and shot so um you know same thing happened in 2016 the friday before and then you got the resolution and boom uh same thing here weakness into the election and then you know we'll see boom so uh exxon was a Good good example here, it had this type of, you know, uh, double bottom weakness, depression movement. And sure enough, we have a similar type of situation here. We'll see if we get that type of resolution to the upside. Uh, Defense stocks, another group we love, same exact thing, this sideways lack of movement. And then all of a sudden, boom, the election and they were up 30 percent in in looks about four weeks. That's the sector. Some of the names must have been up 50, 60 percent. General Dynamics is a good example. It shot from 135 to 165 within three weeks after the election. It's setting up exactly the same thing, this sideways kind of depressing downtrend move, and then boom, resolution, and it takes off. So the last shall be first, rotation, where the the stage is being set with the Fang earnings behind us, and we, we've seen the result of that. They have to take a breather. Now, what's interesting, which I didn't put in this article, that I figured I'd do with you right on the... the um, on the thing right right here is I'm going to go through, okay, so here's the Friday before election. This this is a 2016 chart. Look what was happening at the same time. General Dynamics, Wells Fargo, uh, defense stocks, financial stocks, energy stocks were just going bananas and spiking 30, 50% in weeks. Guess what was happening to tech right into the election? Boom, they took a breather. They bounced down to their 200-day moving average and they stayed there for months while the laggards were exploding the leaders were taking a rest after that election there was a an abrupt massive rotation uh during that period and then you know three four months later everyone said well their earnings are good their multiples are now normal you had new earnings to to um to look forward to so you weren't playing off of the 2016 you were playing in 2017 you were playing off 2017 and 18 and they just took off so they had uh their, their multiples became more reasonable and they they continued their uptrend and i think we could see a similar situation right now i know there are some major names calling for the end of the world for tech um i don't know the answer to that but i you know i think they're they're pretty durable here and i think they're just due for a pretty healthy rest uh so that was facebook in 2016 let's look at amazon see if that one also rested after the election uh sure enough exactly the same pattern uh Rested for a few months before continuing its uptrend. Here was the Friday before the election, and boom, down to the 200-day and stayed there for a few months. Um, Facebook, Amazon, Apple. Let's take a look at that. Okay, same exact thing. Okay, it rolled over back down to its 200-day, and then it resumed the uptrend after taking a rest. And I think that's a reasonable outlook. Um, and let's see, I guess Google will take a quick look at All right. yep, Same exact pattern down to the 200 day for a couple months and then it resumed its uptrend. So, you know, that could be a nice short term rotation and uh, really bring these laggard stocks to bear. And then the tech will join it. And that's what you want. You want wide breadth for this next phase of the secular bull market moving forward. Um, so, uh, so our focus has been banks, defense stocks and, and pockets of energy at the margin margin on any down days this week, which we did pretty much every down day. And, um, the other thing, the uncanny that's uncanny with regard to this analogy, uh, the same or similar stock sectors and stocks showing weakness into the election and then spiking versus showing strength and then falling is the betting odds for the presidency. In other words, um, the sectors that are currently weak anticipating a Biden or in 2016 Clinton presidency are the same ones that immediately exploded and may explode after the election. We'll see higher Uh, moving into Q1 2017 and uh, what will be Q1 2021. So what's interesting about that is President Trump's poll numbers haven't been this bad since the night he won the election in 2016. Now you could say this is different because it's a much tighter race now, uh, but no one knows Uh, that that's really what it comes down to. And it, and it certainly doesn't mean that bad polls equals good election results. I I'm sure as hell he would rather be winning in the polls or what he would call the fake polls than, um, you know, be as, as tight as they are. So, um, but we're not political commentators. We're market participants. So we have to be prepared for every eventuality, which is why we're looking at historic situations to give us an idea of all the different possibilities uh, that could happen and what what things would look like if, in fact, there there was a surprise uh, on Tuesday. So um the other issue about this is if you looking at the charts we just went through and the related fundamental factors we've covered at infinitum in the past four to eight weeks on these podcasts and videocasts, these sectors and stocks are set up for a major rally off of extremely depressed and over, oversold levels, irrespective of whether there was an election or not. And what makes it interesting is that if you think about the consensus or priced in or blue wave outcome it just doesn't sync with these stocks and sectors rallying off the lows so it implies like if we took the election filter off we could clearly make the case that that many of these stocks and sectors are due for a major bounce and or rotation But if there was a blue wave outcome, that would be like extremely unlikely. So it seems like the way things are set up is that the consensus is not going to be right. Now, I don't know if that means a Biden presidency and and the Republicans hold the Senate, which in in which case the corporate tax rate would not go up and it would be bullish. uh, Or if you'd have a Trump presidency and maybe they lose the Senate, the Democrats take the Senate, Democrats take the House. Or Trump and and uh, they keep the Senate, or who knows a, a red wave, which is very low probability, but would be less bullish than um, a mixed situation. The, you know, historically, the most bullish thing is gridlock. So you either want Biden and a Republican Senate, or Trump with a Republican House, uh, with a Democratic House. Some checks and balances. That's historically when the market outperforms blue waves are not bullish red waves are not bullish as well not as bullish as having the mix so so we'll see uh but the way this market is setting up and and you know who who the hell knows but it does not seem like a blue wave it seems like some mixed outcome irrespective of who wins the presidency so th- what does this tell us maybe nothing and maybe everything meaning if these stocks and sectors are set up to bounce and rally and a blue wave would have the opposite effect on these particular stocks and sectors, perhaps it's presumptive to expect a blue wave. Uh, blue, JP Morgan put out a similar note this week showing the election betting odds, which, uh, well, they're, they're showing the predict it. We showed the electionbettingodds.com numbers from 2016 and 2020 in August. <clears throat> but the theme is the same. And um, the theme is his odds are much higher at this exact point in 2020 than they were at this exact point in 2016. He was down close uh, in the low teens, and now he's in the mid mid to maybe high 40s since this was printed. I think he's picked up a couple of points. Another note that we've spent a lot of time on over the summer is about Kanye West. Everyone underestimates him. No one talks about him. Uh, But he's on 12 ballots, a couple of which are swing states, Minnesota and Colorado, uh, where five or 10,000 votes really make all of the difference. The other thing that I've noticed is um, because I follow him on Twitter, is that uh, first and foremost, you need to know. He he didn't become a billionaire selling sneakers because no one likes him uh, and no one listens to him. In, in effect, the opposite is 100% true. A lot of people like him. A lot of people follow him. And, he, you know, selling a commodity product like sneakers and becoming a billionaire when it's not even your own company goes to show the influence he has. And then I started to think in my mind, like, he's got 30.9 million followers on Twitter. I, I haven't looked at Instagram because I'm not a big Instagram person. But I'll bet he's got a lot more than Joe Biden on Instagram as well. But he's got uh, Biden's got 11 million, 11.6 million. Kanye West has got uh, 30.9 and Donald Trump, President Trump has 87.3. So the idea that Kanye is not going to be a factor, particularly when you saw in the last few days, he tweeted his 30 million people and 36,000 people liked it and a few thousand people retweeted it. He said right in Kanye West, so and he shows someone writing in Kanye West at the bottom of the ballot. So everyone's focused on the 12 states where he is on the ballot, but I have to assume that quite a few people who are going to go vote for Kanye West uh, are people that may not vote generally and are going to um, exercise exercise their... um, their 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 vote and it doesn't make a difference to them if they have to write his name in because that's what he told them to do or if there happens to be a place where they can fill in the circle next to the name Kanye West so I'm I'm curious what impact you know if, if you have 2,000 write-ins in a state like Philadelphia who knows uh Trump's gotten a lot of new endorsements uh in the last couple of days that that could could be influential but I I just went when I just thought about the following of Kanye West, and then I saw that tweet where he shows people with a video how to write in the name Kanye West um, i said this 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 race is going to be really interesting and I, and I think that it 's going to be as important as i 've been saying since I think July, and really no one has spent much time on it at, as all at all J P. Morgan. Did a similar study to the one that i'm talking about which sectors did best immediately following the trump victory the summary is that financials did the best and consumer uh, consumer staples and tech did the worst so you can see the charts here uh this was the um the ratio uh let's see s p 500 it took off uh it was weak into the election then it took off and then financials you see here just went parabolic. Uh, tech was just weak, again, it went down to that 200-day line, we went through all those. Uh, industrials went almost parabolic, uh, value versus growth, value went almost parabolic, uh, and consumer staples sold off like like tech, so that's a defensive stock. So so we'll see. I mean, that's, that's what the market, the setup looks exactly the same. Now we have to see the outcome if we get the similar results. Uh, Jeffrey Gunlack, who predicted Trump's victory in 2016, is predicting the same outcome in 2020. You know, good good luck. I mean, that was a bold, bold call in 2016. I think it's still a bold call, and we'll see if he's right twice. Um, Or if lightning strikes twice, I guess is the way to put it. So, um, the other aspect of this is tech's underperformance would be harder to fathom in the event of a blue wave. Um, And, you know, this falls in line with the recent overhang of Section 230, the liability protection that they currently enjoy. And um, so, you know, this idea of tech taking a two-month rest while these left-behind sectors exploded out of the election finality uh, is perfectly in line with the theme of the Justice Department being all over these guys right now and gals uh, in the big, you know, big fang stocks. So that it's just consistent with how this played out and how that seems to be playing out right now. SockGen had another thing saying that tech's price relative to the overmark overall market has improved, but its earnings per share estimates relative to the overall market have started to drop. And I just put it in a simpler term. I said, to put it more simply, Infotech is expected to grow earnings at approximately half as fast as the S&P 500 in 2021. In other words, the pitch for buying tech today is, by now, you can have half the growth rate for nearly two times the price. Just pay processing and handling. <laughs> so, so that's where it is. Um, uh, There's another chart here showing that uh, in '99, tech was 37 percent. Um, the the value of market cap in tech was. 37% of uh, GDP, US nominal GDP, versus now it's 42% of nominal GDP. Uh, the Wall Street Journal said it was 40%. But you know, ballpark, bottom line it's higher. And it, it did revert to the mean in 2000. We're, we're going to see if we get this hard rotation or just a short term rotation. But I think rotation is, is the key. And today was rotation, not liquidation, as I said, on Liz's show. Um, okay. Sentiment was surprisingly high this week with the AAII sentiment survey result. It was at 35. I mean, 40 would be an extreme. So that's unusual. Uh, fear and greed came down, obviously below 40. That was, that made sense. Um, and active managers cut their equity exposure, which they always do, um, uh, after the weakness. So, The point that we've made over and over is don't bet against science. We've had some major developments and I think the biggest one that wasn't really talked about this week was that the Regeneron cocktail that uh, President Trump took where he said he just turned around overnight in 24 hours and felt stronger than ever. They Wednesday said it's experimental cocktails, quote, significantly reduced novel coronavirus levels and the need for further medical attention, including hospitalizations and emergency room visits and more people enrolled in its late stage trial. We continue to see the strongest effects in patients who are most at risk for poor outcomes due to high viral load, ineffective antibody immune response at baseline or pre-existing risk factors. So basically it's saying if you're toast, this thing can bring you back from the dead. And uh, it's late stage and it's really good. And, you know, ironically, I wouldn't be surprised to see, uh, you know, something definitive come out November 4th. But, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, sooner is better. I mean, but this is the game. Like this for me is 100 times more valuable than a vaccine because vaccine is a whole process. Like once people know uh, that there's a clear and crisp cure treatment and whether that's remdesivir becoming a breathable that you can take outside the hospital or this Regeneron because everyone knows how well it worked for President Trump albeit anecdotal you know there were a lot of comorbidities you know existing there where people weren't so sure when he was diagnosed how it was going to go and this thing just turned turned the tide on everything so that that's a very positive result um so Uh, If the setups are above are correct, we could see a number of left for dead stocks and sectors take on a brand new life in a short period of time. That's what we're betting on. And like 2016, I think the election jitters and short-term volatility will prove to be a major opportunity this week, which it was, versus something to fear. Time will tell. You can never be 100% sure. You can just take statistically advantaged positions and manage your risk. So um, that's that. Uh, Furthermore, this week, the unusual options activity were, uh, again, concentrated in these left-for-dead. So big institutions are coming in and buying them out, long-dated Uh, Exposure, well, in the case of BP, it was short dated. They bought 12,000 contracts. That's an energy stock. Exxon Mobil, they bought out to June, uh, 1,200 contracts. Boeing was a big print today, 2,000 contracts for May. Uh, Raytheon, which has shown a lot of insider buying as well. Um, 4,600 contracts out to January, 2022. I think that one's gonna be a home run for whoever bought that. uh, And then this week you saw millions of insider buying in Raytheon after I talked about it on Fox Business. Gregory Hayes came in and bought over $3 million of stock with his own checkbook. He is the CEO and a couple directors wrote seven figure checks for stock for them for their own personal accounts as well. That was good to see. 86% beat rate on the earnings this this uh, quarter so far, which is just phenomenal. Um, 81% beat rate on uh, positive upside to on revenues and that would be the highest percentage of S&P companies reporting positive EPS surprise since FactSet began tracking this metric in 2018 estimates for 2021 this week uh, I looked at them earlier I believe they went up again which would be pretty good. They'd been hovering around 165 for a while and they are now at uh, 167. So they're up yet again. They continue to take estimates up as we've covered at infinitum, industrials, consumer discretionary materials, and financials are all gonna grow the fastest in line with the S&P or greater, whereas Infotech is gonna grow at a much slower rate along with healthcare. That has not been the case in past years. It looks like it's going to be the case in future years, Uh, and we're positioning accordingly. So uh, let's look at some economic data that came in this week. Uh, Current Michigan consumer sentiment beat expectations at 81.8. Uh so all the Michigan numbers were good. Chicago PMI was strong, 61 beat expectations of 58. Uh personal spending was up as was personal income. Those are two good beats that we saw this morning. Uh let's see. Pending home sales were down a little bit. So they they were uh they were surprisingly uh surprising miss yesterday. However, I mean, you know, most people are probably not going to buy a home the week before or right before an election for for a lot of people, they think that matters uh, but we 'll see if that 's a one off because of the election jitters or if it 's a real real thing. Uh, keep in mind the stock market was weak in September, so that that may have allayed some people from from making the jump but we 'll see. Uh, jobless claims crushed expectations they're expecting 775 it was only 751 continuing claims remain subdued it it missed expectations but it was down material off the last print of 8.4 million it was only at 7.7 gdp obviously record number 33.1 gdp growth in q3 Um, what else did we see here this week Uh, We had a big build in crude inventories. This was the first big build. This was disappointing to see. We'll see if it's a one-off or it persists, but you did have Russia out and you had some others out from OPEC talking about, um, if you recall, their multi-year cut commitment was to cliff off in January from 7.7 million barrels a day cuts down to 5.7 million barrels a day cuts. Kuwait said today they'll go along with whatever the big boys say. My sense is they're going to extend the 7.7 after January. This will sop up some of these short-term builds, um, and we'll see. But, uh, you know, last week we covered the China demand picking up and really accelerating. So I I, I think this is going to be a one-off and we're gonna find ourselves uh, next week back to a draw, which we've had pretty much every single week since June when we put out the Rysted data, which we've talked about many times. Um, Okay, other important uh, goods orders were were solid. Uh, Durable goods were solid, durable goods beat big. So that was very positive to see. Uh, 1.9% versus uh, 40 BIPs last print, 50 BIPs expectations. Um, and, uh, again, new, new home sales were, uh, a little bit softer than expect, expected. Same with pending. And I, I think that's just based on the seasonality, the climate, the election, and, and where the, what the stock market was doing, that should probably come back once we have some, uh, finality with the election result, however, it plays out and we can get back to business and then earnings, you know, we basically gone through it, but across the board, they were just, tremendously strong um we went through some of the nuances with big tech but you know you just see as we scroll through it's it's all green so with that said um we are going to wind this one up for this week we'll be back next week Same time, same place with a lot more information with the election is the most important data point in the next seven days, in case you didn't know. And uh, wishing everyone a happy Halloween. If you have little ones, we're going to get out and try to do some trick-or-treating and um, make it a great one.